Thank you for tuning into the Harvest Christian Fellowship Podcast. This week, Pastor Curtis continued our Walk in the Light series with a message about accountability. For more information about this message, you can download the Harvest app or visit our website at harvestchristianfellowship.org. Thank you and have a blessed week. change it up just a little bit. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now some of you will be familiar with this story and as I unpack this a little bit, this just goes with the series that we're in this morning known as Walking in the Light. And so we are talking about ways that we can walk in the light as Jesus called us to walk in. In in other words, that we don't have darkness attached to us, but we would be children of the light. And so over the past few weeks, we've unpacked some principles that hopefully have been helpful to you, and today we're going to continue to do that. This is 1 Samuel chapter 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, I share this with you to start because I'm talking about accountability this morning. That we are called to walk in accountability one with another. The church, the word in the Greek actually is ecclesia, which means one attached to one another or one that's built upon the other. And so we are called together to walk in the light. Now here's David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan will go on, watch, to fight with two separate armies that are fighting one with another. God's people are at war with each other. If you know the story of how all of this unpacks, Jonathan's going to be faithful to his dad. His dad is King Saul. Of course, he knew not to dishonor him. In such a way, but his soul was knit to his best friend. He had an accountability partner, if you will, in the faith. As a matter of fact, Jonathan says this about David. He says, you know what? I know that God's anointing is on you. He has prayed for this brother, if you will, in the faith. He's prayed for him. He's sought God's will for his life. And because of that, he sees God's anointing not on his dad, but on his brother who's knit to him. See, God calls us together to see some things one for another. We're stronger together. In the scriptures, you'll see how it's unpacked. You'll see that in Genesis, God created man. He brings man into the garden, and then he forms out of this man and out of the ground a woman. Right? She fits him. A partner. Because God shows us from the start, he says, in our image they are created. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's about community and about us walking with him in community. And all throughout scripture, you'll see where we're called in this together. Togetherness is how God chooses for us to grow, for us to spread his kingdom. Now, there's a lot of scriptures I could go to but let me show you one real quick Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 you've probably heard this but let me read it and let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds 
not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. As is the habit of some. What is the habit of some people? To do it myself. We live in a me society. We live where we have iPhones and iPads and it's all about me and it's all about myself and I did this and I obtained this and I conquered this and this is my stash of wealth. I did this all on my own. No one helped me. I overcame. The danger in this is that God never called it, called us to a place where it would just be about me. The scriptures that I spoke about during the offering this morning. That greater love hath no man that he would lay his life down for his friends. That's not about me, it's about you. It's about us being tied together. But there is a temptation today. There is a thought process today that says, we, I am stronger by myself. I want the reward. I want it to be all about me. You see, this was the problem with King Saul. When you study the scriptures, King Saul, as the kingdom started building around him, then he started getting concerned about what others were saying. Hey, I think the women said, I killed my thousand, and David killed his ten thousand. Oh, that kind of hurts. David's not as old as me. He's not as mature as me. He doesn't know the things that I've done, the things that I've accomplished in my life. David, I've invited him into my king's court. Now he's dividing the kingdom. What in the world? This is my kingdom. That's the danger in our culture today. It's not about me. It's not about my. It was never supposed to be about those things. You see, Jesus first makes it about us and the fact that we have an opportunity to respond. But then as we grow in Christ, we learn to walk with another. Watch. The first thing we'll do is learn how to, to really embrace someone else's success. To know that we had a part in it. To know that we are attached to what he's called us to for his victory, not a victory of our own. Those are great to have, but victories together where we have someone to celebrate with. Jesus gives a parable of the great banquet, and you remember he invites those in the highways and the byways, the alleyways, invite them to my table, and there's still room. We'll go out again and keep inviting because we are called together. The Ecclesia. And as we walk together, we'll begin to walk in accountability one to another. Do you have anyone that walks with you in the faith? Is there anyone that's really knitted to your soul in the faith? Ask yourself that question this morning. It's easy to knit with people in the world and of the world. I mean, hey, this bud's for you. Dilly dally. Oh, dilly dilly. <laughs> I saw the commercial the other day. I thought that was hilarious. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly, right? Let's drink together. Hey, here's the problem with that. The, 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 the problem with that is, is that's kind of how we, the people that we commune with, that it's easy to attach our souls with, if you will. It's the people of the world. It's the things of the world. But Jesus calls us to attach together as the ecclesia, having his mission, his vision before us. See, most of us don't like to be held accountable, so we don't want accountability partners. 
And if we hear a sermon on accountability, this is what we'll do. Sometimes we'll go to someone and say, hey, will you hold me accountable? Look, you don't want that. (laughs) Not in that way. To run out there and ask someone, will you hold me accountable? I want you to see David and Jonathan, they grew up together. They were friends. They knew one another. They knew each other's ideas, their passions, their thoughts, the way that they pursued God. They, 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 they knew that they could hold one another responsible in a good way, in a way that would build them up. Look, other people don't need the responsibility or the burden for your actions or accountability. As a pastor, I know this and I've learned it because how many calls have I received at 1 or 2 in the morning from people who have had one too many who said, Hey, pastor, would you pray for me? I've even had this, would you come get me? And used to, I'd say yes. Allison has seen me at night, put my clothes on. I got to go get so-and-so in the ditch. I mean, in the the ditch. (laughs) I've been at their parties. I've walked into parties. I've been threatened at parties. All this stuff, why? Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to take responsibility, but then when it happens again the next weekend, and the next weekend, look, you're trying to, to help me pull you out of your irresponsibility. You're not willing to listen. You're not willing to, to, to really get a hold of, kingdom, of God's kingdom principles and his, his will for your life. The, the church is too big for that today. If all of you rung my number, I mean, I can't pick you all up. Sometimes the best thing is for you to sit in there for a couple days. Okay. Keep going. And for the couple of you that I told you that, I told you I love you, I pray for you, just stay there. You're sober. Anyway. But this is the problem. If we want true accountability, the true accountability partners walk with us daily, not through event and event in our life, but they walk through it with us on a daily basis. And there are people that are praying for us daily. They're not looking just to hold you accountable or hold you responsible. They're trying to spur you on in in your one hope of your calling. That's what an accountability partner does for you. I think too often times we just go around and, and we find someone that we think, hey, this is a pretty good person. Will you hold me accountable? And what you're saying is, will you hold me responsible? No, it is up to you to hold yourself responsible. It's up, for, up to you to grow up. Never waste your feelings on people who don't value you. Just going around and grabbing anyone's not okay. Look for those who, who, has, who have the possibility or who have your best interest in mind and they want to spur you on as the scripture stated. And their souls are somewhat knit to yours because they're bought with the purchase of the same blood that you were. And then as you do that, you'll begin to grow. See, I believe part of being responsible is being aware. I say this all the time, that awareness is the first step to responsibility. And sometimes having that person in your life who can see, who's aware for you, they have an awareness, a spiritual awareness about you and for you. They can help speak into your life in a positive way. And help you become the overcomer that you're called to be in this life. 
God has called us together. And sometimes we have to become aware of who God has placed in our path to be our accountability prayer partners or our accountability partners in this life. We have to have a plan. We've got to become aware. We, we, we need to seek them out in a godly, great way. Not just anyone, but there is someone for us. You see, you figure out a plan to grow at work, don't you? I mean, most of us want to do a good job so that we're what? Promoted. And then we say, hey, what's it going to take to get to the next level in work? And, and we say, hey, uh, I, I've got to figure this out, or I've got to learn this new method, this new procedure. I've got to add to my knowledge. And so we come on up in that way in work. We have a plan. We'll get a plan to have some accountability in your life. Who is knit to your soul today? Is there anyone? Is it, are they more worldly or are they more godly? Because our hope in walking in the light is going to depend on who is knitted to our soul. That's just the truth. So who is it for you? Understand that God has called us together. Just look at nature. You don't have to look far. Without cross-pollination, there is no fruit. We are far more fruitful together than we'll ever be independently. If you walk in independence, if you're an independent person, which in some of the areas of my life I confess to, I'm that person. But I know that God has called me to be together in order for me to be fruitful. Cross-pollination, when we begin to hear one another's ideas, when we begin to, to listen to each other and grow in the Word of God together, then God causes us to be fruitful in our lives but sometimes this comes with a level of pain proverbs 27 27 17 you've heard this as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another well you know iron sharpens iron by putting and applying pressure we were in the mountains or up at angel fire this week for thanksgiving and wink was sharpening his axe with a stone Right? What do you have to do? You got to apply pressure to that. You got to just keep pushing and keep pressing. Well, who puts pressure on you in order to build you up and not tear you down? See, there's friction, there's pressure, sometimes there's pain. You, you, you need a sharp axe, someone who's possibly a little smarter than you. Some of you are sitting out there saying, oh, that person doesn't exist. <laughs> you kidding, Curtis? I'm just teasing. Right, but, but sometimes we need to look at that. We need to look at who's sharpening us. Uh, do they have the knowledge? Do they have the wisdom? Do they have the spiritual wherewithal to grow us up in who we're called to be? We need people who are, who are smarter, who, who have an in, if you will, with God. David saw something in Jonathan. Jonathan saw something in David. They could sharpen one another in their relationship to God's kingdom. Abe Lincoln said it this way. He said, give me six hours to cut down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. Is there anyone that helps you sharpen your axe this morning? You know, we all have blind spots. We all have, have areas in our life that we can't see. And sometimes the two or three that pray with us can see those very things and say, hey, I want to make you aware of something so that what? You will become responsible to it. Let me ask you a question. Does it hurt your feelings when someone 
tells you the truth. <laughs> Depends on what the truth is, right? But it's a, it's a question worth asking. See, Jesus calls us together. Where two or more are gathered, where two or three are gathered, there I am with you in the midst of those two or three that are seeking me. I am there to help you sharpen your axe, to help you walk, to help you understand the power of a team. God has called us together. God has called us one for another. God has called us to a place where we will be and, and should be held accountable one to another. Jesus understood the power of a team. Don't ever think he didn't. You see Jesus sometimes withdrawing himself to pray. But one of the first times in Scripture where you see that, he withdraws himself to pray. He prays all night. He comes back down from the mountain, and he starts saying this. Hey, you two right there, y'all follow me. Actually, he starts with one, then he goes to two. But he says, hey, you, Matthew, come and follow me. Right? James and John, y'all come, and you follow me. He starts putting together his team. You ever heard the acronym together, everyone achieves more? That's team. And so Jesus puts together this team. And you have to be careful because the temptation is for us not to look to be a part of the team only when it's convenient for us, but not necessarily when we're not going to get the credit. The team's going to get the credit. That's a temptation for us today. Hey, I, I want to be a self-made man, a self-made woman. I don't need the crutch of Christianity. I don't need the crutch of anyone else helping me be promoted in this life. I can self-promote all the way to the very top. And that's not a healthy place to be. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this, that the enemy is telling you that. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I could say it to you. Give you, give you a great example. In John chapter 17, Jesus says three different times in his prayer for his disciples, he says, I pray that they may all be one. Because when they're one, they're in unity. And where there is unity, God dwells. That's just the way it happens. But the enemy fights this. Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. He starts by, by speaking about houses as you look through Old Testament into New Testament, you will find that houses were actually there in that day and time. That shouldn't surprise you. You have the house of Benjamin, right? You got the 12 houses, the 12 tribes, if you will. God believes it in us, and he believes that we would walk in this together. Husband loves wife. A family is created. They're in a household that will help hold them accountable. I don't know if you grew up the way I did, but my curfew was midnight. I left for college. Came home at Christmas. I went out one night, and it was about, I don't know, 12.05. I was growing up, I was driving home, and I met my dad on the dirt road. He went this way, and I knew his pickup. No one else drove that dirt road after midnight, you know. And he turned around, he followed me all the way to the house. I got out, and I walked in. He follows me in, he, and I said, Dad, 
Are you upset? He said, well, curfew's midnight. I said, well, I'm a grown man. <laughs> he said, you may be, but you're in this house. And the curfew's midnight. I said, yes, sir, I went on to bed. But anyway, <laughs> wasn't going to fight that battle, right? God's about these houses. And you see the household of David. As a matter of fact, later on you'll, you'll see the household of David actually look after Jonathan's killed. He'll, he'll say, hey, is there anyone living that's of the lineage of Jonathan? Oh, yeah, Mephibosheth. And so he, they, they invite him to his household to be a part of the household of God. Because God has always been about calling us together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, let me tell you, who tests your wind of doctrine? Let me ask that question from that scripture. Is there anyone who, who pays attention to your doctrine? Because your doctrine, our doctrines are becoming even, even a little more liberal, a little more slanted, a little more wishy-washy today, if you will. Oh, well, I mean, why can't we just, you know, live together before we get married? Uh-oh. I know, that's one. I'm not after anyone. I'm just trying to show where, where sometimes we start changing our doctrines a little bit or, or changing, hey, uh, what's one drink going to hurt? What's four drinks? I don't, I don't get drunk after 10. Depends on what you're drinking. You're right if you're drinking water. But my point is this, see, who tests our winds of doctrine? Our winds of doctrine have to be tested one with another. That's how we're sharpened. And look, you may not be as far down the road. As a matter of fact, you probably shouldn't be as one of your accountability partners who's starting to speak this to you, who's starting to make you aware of the error of your ways because it could affect and impact your ministry. And instead of walking in the light, you are choosing partial darkness. And isn't it a great Great thing when another light comes to your light because that causes your light to shine that much more brightly. This is what God wants for us. See, our doctrines have to be checked and they have to be checked by someone. He goes on to say, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You see, speaking the truth in love. Now let me say something about love. You don't know love if you only love you. <laughs> Agape love is a selfless gift given to someone else. You cannot have agape love in you just for you. And so when he says speak the truth in love, it means that you're going to go forth and you're going to love someone by speaking the truth into their life. You know, I tell my kids, I've said this a handful of times, but you don't need the rod if you can listen to a word. You don't, we use the word rod. Y'all don't think I beat my kids with a rod. I got a three-eighths inch. Anyway, no. We use it for, for spanking. I mean, because it's what the Word of God says, right? So you don't need the rod if you can listen 
to a word. You know, like this, like honor your father and mother so that your days will be long upon this earth. (laughs) And when I say that, I don't need you to roll your eyes at me. It just means, hey, look, if you get it, you get it. And that's what we do. We grow our children up in a household so that we make them aware so that one day they will be responsible with what God has given them. It's the way it's supposed to look. When we, tr- when we teach them to love one another, to serve one another, to pray for one another, lay hands on the sick, whatever it may be, as we teach, as we instruct, we are speaking the truth in love. We live in a culture that oftentimes can't handle the truth. There's a movie. I watched years ago had something about that. See, sometimes we're wimpified. Sometimes we're afraid to hurt one another's feelings. Sometimes we don't do it in love. Sure, there's all these excuses. Relationships take work. If you are married, you fully understand and are aware of this. Right? They take work. But as we stay and choose to be in those relationships, we learn to love through the good, the bad, the hard, the tough, the ugly, all of those things. We we are choosing to value the relationship more than we value being right. Sometimes to speak the truth in love, we'll tell them in love and they'll do the same thing and you'll go, ah! But we've made them aware. And we value that relationship more than we value being right. We have to help. We have to come alongside. We have to be a companion. We have to be a friend. We have to be a brother, a sister in Christ. Years ago, I had a situation in the church where a gentleman got mad at another gentleman in the hallway, and then when I got there, it was between services, and you can imagine the hallway was packed, and it drew a crowd, and anyway, this guy was just, he was furious and causing a scene, and, and, I, and two other men stepped in there, and they were trying to calm him down, and they were going to help escort him out the back door, and as, as they started going, he just shook them off, and he kept telling them, and anyway... Uh, I went in my office and closed the door. I sat down and started praying that God would remove this. My prayer partner was in there at the time with me. And finally, I stood up and I said, you know what? By golly, I can fix this. I'll show those guys how to escort this man out. And so I opened the door. And as soon as I did, my prayer partner slammed that door, locked it. And he said, you're not going out there. You're the pastor of this church. Do you remember that? I was like, well, for a minute, I forgot. You know, it's like, it's just gone. And he said, no, your job is to do what you were doing. Sit down there and let's pray. And let's keep praying. I disagreed with him, but I went ahead. (laughs) You know, sometimes returning a kind word. Speaking the truth in kindness, in ways that honor them. In ways that shows them that, that you're holding them in a valuable way. But look, don't just run around looking for excuses to get your feelings hurt. I don't like the term snowflake. I don't like safe spaces. I was told the other day, in the Army today, going through basic training, you can pull a a safe card or something. Do that in war. Time out. You can't shoot. Pulling my card. I need my safe space. I'm a snowflake. 
It doesn't work that way in the real world, folks. It doesn't. In the real world, this is the way it looks, that, that we need to be able to handle what, speak, what people speak to us. Thicken up a little bit. Strengthen up. Get a backbone. It's okay. And as we do that, God strengthens us, and we learn to walk in relationship one with another. And this is how we become vessels of the light, walking in the light. Wait. Pray. Learn how to get a handle on it. Do, it, do, do some things that are different, that don't come natural. Sometimes when someone, we feel like someone's trying to attack us rather than help us. But try to hear the wisdom in the correction. Ephesians chapter 4, let's keep looking here, verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every, every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love. So here's it saying we are called to be fitted together to grow up. Not to tear apart, but to grow up. The goal of speaking the truth, the whole body of Christ is in a better place than it was before. And as we humble ourselves and as we honor God in our relationships, we truly do come together. It's imperative, church, because the church or the world needs to see the church working in accordance to God's principles. One of those principles is accountability, one with another Matthew 25 verse 14 for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his his possessions to them to one he gave five talents to another two to another one each according to his own ability and he went on his journey I want you to hear something from this each one of us have a gift at least one right something to do business with in God's kingdom you have something to do business with in God's kingdom yes even you you've got one or you've got two or you've got five but you've got something and you may not even discover that yet isn't it neat when a great coach comes alongside and calls that champion out in you oh I can remember years ago many moons ago when I had a great coach in my life who, who literally, Coach Kleckler, I, I took golf my freshman year. Seventh period, because it was a blow-off class. The only thing they let me hit with was a seven iron. And what we would attempt to do sometimes is see how far we could throw the seven iron. Just me and my buddy. And Coach Kleckler came up to me one day, and he goes, listen, young man. You're out here just goofing off. But I'm going to tell you something. You've got some ability. You're little. You're a little squirmy. I talked to Coach Wilson, and Coach Wilson wants you to be in there in offseason with the varsity. So you're no longer in this class. And I was like, oh, man. The very first day they moved me up, they have a wrestling mat set up. And he takes a junior going to become a senior who's a great athlete, and he says, how get on the mat with him? And I was like, Whew. And they're all picking on me already, and I could tell you some things. We had a little bit of hazing back then. Eh? Anyway, so we got on the mat, 
he blew the whistle and we went at it and I got whooped the next day he had me back in there and he blew the whistle and I got whooped again and that went on the rest of the semester I don't have any victory stories <laughs> but I do have this to tell you that that coach said that I gave everything I had every time he put me on the mat and he said you've earned a spot on the team you see isn't it great when you have that person come into your life who helps you become something that you never knew you could. But if we don't listen, if we separate ourselves, if we try to become self-made, then what happens is sometimes the one who's going to expose our talents is never there to do that. We don't give them the opportunity. Verse 16, Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents if he traded the talents to gain five more you know what that tells me he had to be in relationship in the same manner the one who had received the two talents gained two more now you may say well he didn't have to be in relationship didn't say he went to someone it says he did it in the same manner though so he goes in the same manner and boom he doubles but notice what the one who decided he would do it himself notice what he accomplished But the one who had one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Isn't that interesting? He went and tried to accomplish life himself, his way, his will. I had a young man tell me one time, he said, I finally realized I had a problem when I was the only one right. Look, being accountable is a growth process. It causes us to grow up and more important than money to Jesus and 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 as you study scripture what you'll see is more important than everything else are the relationships that we're in Jesus is the one that said I've earnestly desired to eat this meal with you Jesus is the one who reminds us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son why for the world for community one for another to grow up with each other have some goals if you don't have goals today let me encourage you in a couple of things if you've never been in an accountability group in a prayer group let me give you some goals for that some goals would be that they would be able to see your talents and help you water those grow those cross-pollinate those things in your life so that you will be fruitful for God's kingdom have some goals look for people careful here look for people who do it better than you it's okay that people know the Word of God better than you it's okay to have an accountability partner who can pray like and bring down fire with their prayer get in there with them listen to what they have to say and you'll see as you pray for them as well that God is in your midst and he will give you eyes to see into their life as well and you will begin to grow and grow up together it's interesting to me because when you look at David and Saul and how they were knit together in 2nd Samuel chapter 1 after the death of Saul David returned from defeating the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days on the third day a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and with dust on his head. Now, these two armies had been warring against each other. Many, many, many thousands were killed. 
in the name of their God, and, and they had fought one another. Now, David and, Saul, or David and Jonathan hadn't seen one another, I take it, in, in quite some time, but, but now things are wrapping up. It's coming to an end. And this is what's taking place. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp, his clothes torn with dust on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from, David asked. He answered, I've escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened, David said. Tell me. The man went on to say, the men fled from the battle. Many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man, who brought, him, who brought him the report? How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? Well, I happened to be on the Mount of Gilboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and riders almost upon him. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, what can I do? He asked me, who are you? I, I returned, an Amalekite. Then he said to me, stand over me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death but I'm still alive. So I stood over him and I killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Then David and all the men with, with him took hold of their clothes and they tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen upon the sword. See, their souls were knit. It wouldn't be long before David would make the request, is there any still living in the lineage of my brother, my brother in the Lord? Are there any still living? And that's where you can go on and you can read that there was one, Mephibosheth, and they invited him to their community, to their house. Who's sharpening you this morning? Does any other person have permission to speak truth into your life? I'm not talking about your spouse. That's the easy one. Right? Well, not always. <laughs> what's going to cause you to grow up in this life? You know, what's going to help us walk in the light so that we'll be fruitful, so that the seed that we sow is eternal seed that we watch grow and mature? and multiply do you have that person in your life this morning church then my prayer is that you will and one of the reasons we have an altar team is for that very reason where two or three are gathered there he is in their midst we we come together to encourage one another to spur one another on to the light of christ and if you need prayer this morning for anything that's why we're here is to offer that prayer to offer that word of encouragement to help maybe water a seed that was sown in you. Maybe it's to, to call the champion out in you. You know, church, I was whipped the rest of the semester. Let me tell you about what happened my sophomore year on the mat. The senior found me on the mat, and I remember the first time I pinned him and the celebration that took place. I can't let you go around and leave from here thinking I got whooped my whole life. <laughs> but the only reason I really share that with you today is for this. There was a coach that believed in me every time I got whipped. I said, keep getting up, keep going, 
Keep hitting the weight room. Keep working. You're going to get there. I see it in you. Who's doing that for you? Because that's why we're here this morning. You may be beat up. You may be feel like you're whipped. I don't know where you are, but let us begin to spur you on towards good deeds, towards the things of God, so that you too will walk in his likeness and his goodness and be a light bearer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Lead us now by the power of your spirit and the ministry that you have for us. In Jesus' name, knit our souls together. In Jesus. Thanks again for listening. If this message or any part of the ministry at Harvest has impacted your life, we'd love to hear about it. Just send an email to mystory@harvestchristianfellowship.org. That's mystory@harvestchristianfellowship.org. Thanks and God bless.